Mary Matoyashin, traditional name Strong Standing Golden Eagle, is from the Lake Manitoba First Nations, also known as Dog Creek. She is a mother of three children and a grandmother of 11. She is fluent in her language, Anishinaabemowin, a language that is spiritual and sacred to her people. Uh, long ago, when I was a little girl, I, used, I often spent time with my grandparents, my late grandparents, my Nukum and my Nemeshum. Nemeshum is, I often spent many nights with them and many days with them. And I used to love being in their home because it was so cozy. And they, they had a small home. It wasn't a very big home. But I also remember when I was very young, they had a little log cabin and we slept on the floor. And I don't remember ever being uncomfortable uh, laying on the floor. They laid out some blankets and that's where we slept. And there were times where I, we had other cousins sleeping there with other family members and it's just something that we did uh, as families long ago and then I used to go with my late grandfather and he used to go and take some birds and he would cook those birds he would boil them and he ate them and um, this is something that my own grandchildren I've never seen, you know, with my grandparents, you know, eating little birds. I guess, you know, at that time, they ate whatever is, was there, but also they had a garden. And later on, they moved into a new home. It wasn't a very big home. They were given a home, and uh, it had two tiny bedrooms, a little bathroom but there was no running water in that home. But they had a cook stove, they had a wood box, and there was lots of wood there all the time. And my grandmother was very strong. She was a very strong woman. And um, same with my late grandfather. When they had the cook stove, that's where she made the fire. And I remember as a little girl that oftentimes I would listen to the whistling tea kettle at nighttime, and the lights were dim. It was very cozy, warm home. She would make herself tea. I would ask her to give me tea. She would give me tea. And I liked putting sugar in my tea. And early in the morning, she would she rose with the sun. She would get up early in the morning. She got up, and they, she had another cook stove just outside her steps because she didn't. They didn't have a lot. You know, they had a roof over their head, but they were very rich with their culture, with the way that they were raised by their own relatives, by their own ancestors, their parents and their grandparents. What they did was they would make the fire outside, cook outside, do their daily chores. She had a, um, a big wash tub and she had a, a washboard and that's where she would do her laundry and she had what I call a natural clothesline. 
And uh, that's where she hung all her laundry. She didn't have a ringer washer. She didn't have an electric washer because they just didn't have that. She didn't have any running water. But we hauled water. She had pails. I would go with her. She gave me a little pail. And then I would, we would bring that water. But one of the things that I remember about my late grandmother is that she respected, she had so much respect for, for herself, for everything around her that, you know, that sustained their livelihood. She didn't waste any water, even water she didn't waste. When she would wash dishes, she used very little water because with the water that she hauled, it was hard work to bring in that water. The other thing, you know, that my grandmother had was she was very strong in her language. She were, they were very strong language speakers in Anishinaabemowin. And uh, my mother often tells me that they were very, um, the language that they had was very old language, that even today with the language that we speak, that some words have changed and we have forgotten some of the words even in our own language. And I'm very fortunate, you know, that I have my mother, that there's many words that she shares with me that I have never heard those words when we are working on uh, ducks, uh, geese, rabbits. She names the, the different parts of the rabbit or, or the duck or, or the goose. And um, that's just the way that, you know, our people learn the languages by, you know, being with their own parents, doing those daily activities, doing the work that they needed to do uh, in order for them to survive and and to live that good life. Pemadasi in, in our language is living a good life. And we had that. And that's what I remember, you know, being with my own late grandparents that we had that. They had Pemadasi and they lived a very good life. They were very humble, very humble people with a lot of kindness, respect, generosity, forgiveness. They had all that, and that embedded within our language, which is the reason why it is so important that our young ones learn that language. Because once they learn that language, and you know, with those words that I had just shared that are embedded in the language, then they start to have respect for themselves and respect for everything, respect for all life respect for Mother Earth, respect for the animal life, the plant life, the water life, all those things that are important to us that will sustain us, that will continue to sustain us for as long as we are allowed to be here on, on our Earth Mother and how to keep her clean. Today, you know, everything is becoming so polluted and poisoned that, you know, our water is being threatened, which is the reason why, again, as knowledge keepers and people that have that life experience, that have that understanding about our respect for the land, our relationship and our, our connection to the land and to one another, that those are the things that will really 
help and guide us in our in our own lives and uh, that's the way that we're going to be able to move forward in a good way and to make sure and to ensure that you know those things stay alive so that the young ones will be able to survive as well and they learn all those life skills and those values uh, without those important teachings without that basis and that foundation of a way of life, then our people become disconnected. When we don't have the language, we really disconnect ourselves to that level of the deepness of the language. It's a spiritual language. It's a sacred language. And if we are to speak our own languages, if we know our own languages, Anishinaabemowin, or however we speak, then those are going to strengthen, you know, the individual. Those are going to strengthen our, uh, our lives, give us the courage to do what we need to do. So again, you know, going back to my own upbringing, you know, with my own parents, I mentioned that my late, my late father was a very hard worker and he taught us how to, how to work and, you know, never to be lazy. There was one time where I had asked my late father, Dad, what did you do a long time ago as a young boy? when you were bored. And, but of course, you know, I, I asked him in my own language. And he said, and he looked down and he said, well, you know, there was no such thing as boredom back then. We were always busy. You didn't have time to be bored because you had to, you had to work. But there was also fun times, you know, just like being out on the land with your own parents and grandparents where they my grandparents would make that maple syrup we would be out and about you know in the bush in the forest and being amongst the trees and being by a, fo uh, a fire an open fire kept you warm but it also really uh, grounded you to your own way of life, the beautiness of, of the earth, it really grounded you and made you happy because our elders tell us that, you know, the land is our home and we are people of the land. And again, that's where we need to take our young people and, and show them the way and lead the way for them to teach them the right way on how to, to work how to gather the medicines, how to harvest the medicines, how to plant these gardens, how to live off the land, the animals, and the trapping, you know, of the muskrats, especially in the spring. Now this is a time to set the traps and, and bring that food home. And my late grandfather, my mother's dad, he 
talked about that, you know, that was the first food that we ate in the springtime because it was medicinal, because the muskrat ate whatever was in the water, in, in the deep water where it swam into the deep water and it went and ate the medicines. And you could actually taste that medicine in the muskrat. It had a very earthy taste. That's what I remember about the muskrat. And today, people frown upon that. But that was something that was natural, that was given to us to live, uh, to survive from. That was our food. That was our food. That was a natural food, our food sustenance. And, and then again, you know, that's what the young ones need to learn. And again, you know, taking the ducks, the geese, or whatever is there, you know, that what we were given to harvest so that we can uh, keep our families healthy, our children healthy. Today, the young people eat so much processed food, unhealthy food, that there's a lot of diabetes and there's an epidemic of diabetes in our, in our communities, which is really threatening the lives of our young ones because it's getting to be that young people are becoming diabetics. So we really need to go back to those natural foods, learn how to um, harvest and know those ways. When um, right now is a time for spring, it's a time of renewal. It's a time of when waters are going to start to flow again, the rivers. Water is very sacred to us. Water is a very important element, a very important source and that we have to respect the water as well. That water is sacred, has a spirit. So we also need to teach our young people and humanity about the importance of water, that we need to keep that water clean because we need that water to live and to make things grow so that that life can continue always. Umulti-Cultural is located on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the national homeland of the Red River Métis. 